it's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. I gotta say, guys, for the last two weeks now, I've been... I've really been pondering on how I'm going to start this week's show. I spend every week, or every episode, I should say, because they're not always weekly... <laughs> I spend every week, or every, like I said, every episode talking about these fucked up movies. Movies with like horrible things happening to people and, you know, violence and blood and gore and crazy shit. Never, ever did I think that, at least in my lifetime, like this shit would come back to like haunt us. I mean, back in the fall of 2018, okay, we're going to take a trip back in time. My quote-unquote day job. I was leaving the midnight shift at the time and returning to the land of the living. You know, I was going to afternoons. And I remember, you know, talking with people about it and I was saying, you know, it, it, people laughed at me kind of because I would be like, I have this like fear of people. Like I don't do well in large crowds and whatnot. And going back to afternoons meant I would be around a lot of people. And, you know, everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but there was a, a portion of people that would tell me it was all in my head. You know, I had someone tell me that with that smile, you'll do just fine. And it's like, yes, because my smile all of a sudden means that people are going to be honest and friendly with me. You know, like, right. Um, but long story short, I mean, and this isn't like an antisocial thing, but like, I, I didn't trust people then. I don't trust them now. Um, and again, it's, it's not even that I think I'm better than anyone because I know I, I'm very sarcastic on this show and whatnot. And in ways like this show, I kind of over amplify it, but it's not that like just large crowds and like big events, you know, <laughs> oversized gatherings of people. And it was interesting how it was always seen as like it was an issue that was inside my head. And here we are in 2020 and social distancing is a thing now. And all I'm going to say to that is welcome to the party, assholes, <laughs> because is it all in my head now? Um... Oh, it's it's fucked up. It is so fucked up. I mean, you guys know, like, with this show, like, 
I've talked about zombie movies and you know apocalypses and I've made sarcastic commentary commentary I should say you know about the world we live in and stuff like that and it is right now it's a different world we live in COVID-19 oh my god and it's weird like I mean my whole life like the very first movie I ever watched was Night of the Living Dead like horror movie wise, um, I never thought in my lifetime I'd witness firsthand our very own zombie apocalypse, or like prequel to it, kind of seeing the beginning stages. Like, <laughs> for fuck's sakes, man, those movies were meant to be entertainment, not fucking tutorials. And like, I, I work a retail job, and right now, like, you know. Retail people, grocery workers and stuff like that, we're considered the heroes because we're on the front lines. We're trying to stock shelves and people are panic buying and, I mean, toilet paper? Seriously? In my last episode, I was making jokes about wash your fucking hands. I swear I'm not going to do that. I'm not overkilling that, but, I, Wow. Like, I'm beside myself right now. I, it, it's just, it's fucked up. And it's not everybody, but in certain ways, like, humanity has gone right to the shithouse. You know, it, it's goddamn disgusting. But, I mean, it's not it, not everyone, obviously. There's a lot of good people out there, you know, still trying to be good people. But this world, it's fucked because, like, I knew I was doing this show. I knew... You know, despite everything going on in the world, I'm still going to continue to podcast. And it's like, I almost feel like wrong doing it because like today's episode, like I'm going to be talking about a movie with two icons trying to kill each other. But in the real world, we're fighting a different war. We're fighting a war about a, a against a disease, against a virus. And again, these are things we've seen in movies, but I thought it would always be something I would see in a movie. I knew the reality of it and whatnot, but I mean, I didn't think in my lifetime the reality would happen. Um, I figured this was going to be something that would happen well after I was gone, you know? Um, and it's creepy. Like, like I said, I work a retail job. And I work midnights again. I'm back on the midnight shift. I have been for some time. And it's eerie going to work. And now I see like lines on the floor that have been taped off, you know, for social distancing. And there's signs in the doorways and there's signs at all the registers and there's empty shelves everywhere. And I mean, like we're working stock like it's we can't keep up. And it's tiring. I it, my two days off. Like this is my second day off from work, because um, I get two off every week and whatnot. And I've been exhausted. I've been sleeping so much. Like <laughs> I almost didn't record this episode because I can't stop sleeping. I'm just exhausted. I'm so spent. <sighs> it's reality, man, and it's fucked. And. I realize, though, like, as much as, like, I, I talk about a macabre side of the, of the world, you know, through movies and whatnot, the show has to go on. And 
I have to do this show because we have to keep some form of normalcy. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing, like podcasters, streamers, online personalities, you know, your YouTube personalities and whatnot. We still like, we have to continue to bring some form of entertainment to you guys. Like, you know, to add levity to a situation that almost seems very grim right now. And the whole world is affected. You know, it's not, I can't just say it's just a Windsor, Ontario thing. No, it's, it's all over the world and it's depressing and it's very disheartening, but we've got to continue. We've got to go on and that's what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I can't let this coronavirus, you know, (laughs) and I know there's been jokes online about a virus named after a beer and, and that's the thing, like, it's it's fucked up because you see a lot of jokes online. I'm I'm a joker myself. Like my Facebook, I've <laughs> I've posted quite a few sarcastic, you know, comments and whatnot. And I, I'm I'm trying to laugh things off, but it's really not a laughable situation. Um, unlike this movie that I'm talking about this week, that was very laughable. <laughs> um, I know I, I seem like I'm just like sort of all around and I know this is like a very long opening monologue, but it just, I mean, I haven't even announced the movie of the week yet. Um, but I, I'm ad libbing this whole thing right now. Like I'm just, I, it, 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 it even in preparing this episode, it was like, the, it was just like this looming thing on my chest how do i start this show knowing what everyone is going through and it's just it's a mind fuck it really is all i can say is and and you guys have listened those of you who have listened to this show you know i'm a sarcastic prick i'm a bit of an asshole on this show and whatnot and I, i i like to make a lot of fucked up comments but I can honestly say, like, as a person, not as post-mortem Paul, but just as a dude in this world, um, you know, just be safe, try to be have some common sense, and have some common decency for others right now. It's, it, again, also, like, something like, you know, people are talking, like, whether this is a government conspiracy, is this a real virus, is it this, is it that? I, I'm not going to claim to know all this all the answers i i even joked on one of my comments about you know i'm not the smartest guy i'm about like you know i'm a dull crayon in the box okay like i don't have all the answers i don't know what to tell you but what i can do is i can offer a podcast i can offer something to take your mind off of it for just a little bit of time which i'm doing a shit job right now because what am i talking about but I'm going to continue the show. I'm going to continue doing what I do. I mean, in a way, this is sort of like a mark of history. You know, it's my way of marking the moment because a year from now, if things are all different, it'll be kind of cool to come back to this and go, hey, I got through that. You know, I can say currently at this moment, I'm COVID-19 free. I, I don't have the virus, at least not that I know of. Um, and that's another thing too, is like the the uncertainty, like, People could have it and not even know it. Uh, currently in Windsor right now, we have two cases, two confirmed cases. And the point I've been trying to make to people is 
just because there's two co- confirmed cases doesn't mean that it's just two in Windsor. There could be more. We don't know. It's, it's you know, fear of the unknown. So, I don't know. I guess, basically, starting off this episode is just kind of my way of, you know, making the mark in history for what lurks behind Podcast Zero. In that, currently, right now, we're dealing with something that we don't know all the answers. I'm not going to claim to know all the answers. What I can claim to know is that coming to you from the pits of hell known as Studio Zero and part of the next level network of podcasts, the podcast that smells better dead than alive, what What lurks lurks behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero? Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul, welcoming you to the 69th episode. And no, 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 no. I'm not cracking any of those, you know, 69er jokes and shit. Like, fuck, I'm, I'm immature. I'm not that immature. You know, this ain't a Beavis and Butthead show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But um, this week, this week. So let's, let's get to doing what I do best, right? <laughs> Which isn't the best. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, this week, we're reviewing a fun one. And I know on the last show I mentioned I was going to announce through the podcast page that, you know, oh, I'll let you guys know in a couple of days what the next episode was. And like I said, then shit hit the fan in the world and it was like, what movie can I do that's like going to be fun to talk about and, you know, kind of bring some some light humor light you know some levity to the to the situation of the world and whatnot so i decided to go with this one and you know it's it's a movie that gave fans what they wanted and kinda anyways uh from 2003 featuring characters created by wes craven and victor miller it's new line cinemas freddy versus jason yeah that's that's and it's 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 a movie that honestly I wasn't planning on doing for a while, but I wanted to try and talk about something that one would be something that like would be familiar to a lot of people. You know, um, I'm hoping this episode kind of reaches out to people who may have not listened to the show before, because I'm talking about two characters that everybody knows. We all know who Freddy Krueger is. We all know who Jason Voorhees is, you know, um, I was going to do a Halloween movie, but I was like, eh. I've done Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2018. I've done Halloween 3. I was like, nah, you know what? Let's uh, let's return to Camp Crystal Lake and Elm Street. So yeah, this week it's going to be Freddy vs. Jason. That's the movie we're going to do. And I really don't have a lot to talk about because everything's shut down. Um, there's not a whole lot of news really out there right now. A lot of movies are either being withheld from theaters or are going to VOD. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about The Hunt. Apparently that's... I've seen a lot of good reviews about it. A lot of people are saying, um, they get a ready or not feel from it. So, that's kind of interesting. I know it's on VOD, so uh, I haven't personally checked it out myself yet. I've been, I've been sort of all over the place with the movies I've watched lately. Um, a lot, I, I, so yeah, fucked up as it is. I've been watching a lot of movies about outbreaks and pandemics and shit like that, which is kind of fucked. But I guess at the same time, I guess I I do it because it's 
it's fictional on the screen. Even though it, it relates to what we're dealing with right now, it's kind of fictional, so it helps to deal with it, I guess. Uh, I watched Outbreak from 1995 with Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, I watched the movie Contagion. Contagion was fucked up because it was very similar to what we are dealing with. Uh, I watched Resident Evil this morning. Uh, the Crazies from 1973. There's a lot of them out there, actually. And a lot of similarities to what's going on. But at the same time, there's that fantastical feature to it. Like that, that element that makes it less real. So it's easier to deal with, I guess. I don't know. But I realized, I was like, damn, like, what am I going to talk about in the beginning aside from all this, you know? Because <laughs> there's not a lot of news right now. Um, everything's shut down. Like, all TV shows are shut down. Um, and, I mean, like, even theaters. Theaters are closed. Uh, for the most part, I mean, the only things still open are your grocery and retail stores. And retail in terms of whatever sells groceries. You know, clothing stores have been shut down. Everything, everything's been shut down. It's man, it's fucked up. But anyways, enough of that. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Although there is one element of Freddy versus Jason that kind of relates to the times, but I'll get to that when I do my when I go through my write up and you know my notes from the movie and whatnot. But let's do a. a, a it's not a trailer timeout this week. It's a bit of a different kind of timeout because there was a clip I found online that I was like, hmm, that'd be a nice break. Nice. And it's kind of funny at the same time. So it brings some humor to the show, which is what I want to try to do this week. So we're going to do the the, the, the timeout. I can't. It feels fucking weird. I can't call it a trailer timeout. We'll call it that anyways. But trailer timeout. And then when uh, we return our shared podcast experience talking about the the two slasher icons of the 80s freddy versus jason all right kids so back in a moment introducing first to my right with over 1,000 career kills he's come back to life seven times hailing from elm street the man with the killer right hand the springwood slasher freddy now, ladies and gentlemen, to my left, his opponent, over 1,200 kills, 10 times resurrected, and he's got one mean machete. Ladies and gentlemen, from Camp Crystal Lake, introducing the Tower of Power, Jason Gentlemen, please, at this time, we would like to have the wagon. Could, could you please step backstage here behind it? Mr. Cooper, Mr. Boris, please. Back here, please. You're slow, you're stupid, and you're all washed up. Freddy Krueger, 174 and three-quarter pounds. Freddy Krueger. Jason Voorhees, 275 pounds. Jason, there's been a, a great deal of controversy about your training methods. How do you respond to that? 
No comment. What's the matter? Can't you speak for yourself, hockey puck? Senor Freddy, what do you anticipate will be your most difficult challenge in fighting Jason? Waiting to see if this goalie here can find a ring. <laughs> Freddy. <clears throat> Woody. Do you feel your ability to speak and thus talk trash gives you a distinct advantage in intimidating Jason before your big fight? I don't need no stinking distinct advantage. If mama's boy here, he's big. He's dumb, he's slow, he's stupid, and he ain't got no style! Place your bets, people! See in the ring, Voorhees! One, two, Fred's coming for you. Three, four, Jason's at your door. Freddy versus Jason, place your bets. It's kind of funny, actually, when I was researching this movie. I didn't realize the movie had so many fucking taglines. They had fun with this one. I'll give them that much. Um, yeah, so, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, again, like I said, not really planned. Um, again, I was just I was trying to think of a movie that would be fun to talk about. Of course, <laughs> I don't know how much fun I had with this movie. Um, no, I... I'll get to the podcast rating later on in the show, but Freddy versus Jason. Was it what we wanted? Was it everything it could have been? Uh, that's debatable. But, I mean, it happened. It's a thing. And it's very unprecedented for the fact that, I mean, we've, I think the only other one that I can think of, and I'm sure that there's probably been more, but I know that there was, uh, the characters from The Grudge and The Ring, they were in the same movie together, kind of against each other or whatnot. Um, I have yet to actually see that. It was on Shudder a while back, and I just never got around to watching it. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, you, you took two major icons, and we did a crossover. You know, crossovers are, like, all the thing right now with, like, the comic book movies and whatnot. But in horror, I mean, you have, well, Godzilla and King Kong, that, that happened. Um... I mean, Godzilla, most of his movies were kind of like crossovers because, you know, it was Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and stuff. And to me, that's... Okay, yeah, there were, you know, not technically crossovers because it was Godzilla against, you know, his enemy of that movie. But, I mean, still, it was... It was there, right? And it was icon versus icon kind of thing. And in this case, we had Freddy Krueger versus Jason Voorhees. And let's get right into it. The movie was released originally, first time, uh, August 15th, 2003 in North America. But there was a pre-release in the United States uh, two days previous, um, August 13th, 2003. I think it was in New York City or something like that. It was like the big, you know, the red carpet premiere kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, August 15th, 2003. Directed by Ronnie Yu, and he also did Bride of Chucky, which is kind of weird because a lot of people will have their favorite child's play movie. Uh, usually, it's either the original or Bride of Chucky, and for me, it's kind of weird. 
I do love the original, and it probably is my favorite child's play of the series, but I do love me some Bride of Chucky. The movie was fucking funny, and I did really enjoy it. Interesting fact about Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, originally, Rob Zombie was offered to direct this film. Uh, he turned it down, though, because he was working on House of a Thousand Corpses. No offense to Mr. Zombie. I know he tries. I know he does a lot in the horror community and whatnot. But I'm glad he didn't do this movie. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, I know. It, and some people really do love it. Don't get me wrong. But his Halloween movie is not one of my favorites. And so I'm glad he stayed away from Freddy and Jason. Um Although, hey, anything can happen in the future, right? But let's let's hope we never see that. That's a personal opinion of mine. Doesn't mean you have to agree with me. So, Freddy vs. Jason was based on the characters created by Wes Craven and Victor Miller. I said that earlier. Uh, the screenplay for this movie was done by Damian Shannon and Mark Swift. They both also worked on the screenplay for the 2009 Friday the 13th remake. Some like it, some don't. Uh, I personally don't have a problem with the remake. Uh, I mean, I'm still partial to parts, you know, Friday the 13th, the original. Obviously, I love that one. Uh, part four and the unpopular opinion of I love Jason Takes Manhattan. I know there's a lot of people are like, the fuck is wrong with you? Well, I like it. So screw you. This movie was produced by Sean S. Cunningham, along with Renee Witt and Robert Shea. Uh, obviously, Sean Cunningham, uh, responsible for a lot of the Fridays, Friday the 13th films, and Robert Shea was responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street films. So, when worlds collide, right? Am I right? Am I right? No, okay, I'll move on. Um, cinematography by Fred Murphy. Fred Murphy uh, worked on a few bigger name movies uh, such as Murder in the First Stir of Echoes which I spelt wrong in my notes just noticed that but hey whatever uh, Soul Survivors with Eliza Dushku Secret Window with Johnny Depp uh, most recently he's been working on that uh, TV series on CBS uh, Evil with um, uh, Mike Coulter guy who played Luke Cage so he's been working on that lately. Um, the music for this movie was done by Graham Revell, who is probably the most popular name, actually, in terms of you know credits of uh, films and series he's done and whatnot. He's worked on Deadcom, Child's Play 2, Ghost in the Machine, The Crow, Strange Days, From Dusk Till Dawn, The Craft, The Crow, City of Angels, The Saint, Spawn, Bride of Chucky, Sin City, the TV series Gotham, etc., etc. You get the point. On to our starring cast. And I will say more about the cast later on when when I'm talking in my notes and whatnot. But for now, I'm just going to get through the names and who they played. Possibly throw in a few other credits they have. We'll start with our two heroes. The heroes that are actually the villains, but they are heroes in this movie. Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. And obviously, Robert Englund. He's worked, uh, obviously, the whole Nightmare on Elm Street series, minus that one remake that nobody likes to talk about. He was also Willie on V. Um, He's been in, fuck, what hasn't the man been in? 
He's married with children. He was the devil. Uh, he was in Toby Hooper's Night Terrors. He was in uh, The Mangler. Um, fuck, I should have wrote down more <laughs> because I'm striking blanks and I shouldn't be. Wishmaster, he was part of that. Uh, I mean, Robert Englund, you know who he is. I don't have to tell you anything more. But we will move on to Jason Voorhees, who was played by Ken Kurzinger. And interesting thing about him, he was normally a stuntman, which when you think about it, Jason doesn't talk. So it's kind of like Michael Myers. You really can have anyone under the mask and it works. Um, I mean, everyone will tell you, well, not everyone, but there's quite a few people that will tell you Kane Hodder is their favorite Jason Voorhees. Um, But... Jason is one of those characters that's kind of easy. Get a large, stocky person, put him in, put him under the mask, and you can make it work. Uh, so having a stuntman play Jason Voorhees, it worked. Um, and I might add that the young Jason uh, was played by Spencer Stump. It's the only movie he was ever in. Uh, he he had one other acting credit, which I think was like a short film or something like that, but it was nothing. Like, nothing famous or whatever. Um, Moving on to the rest of the cast now. (laughs) Uh, So, Monica Aquina as Laurie Campbell. And she was in movies like The Devil's Advocate, The Night of the Demons, uh, the 2009 remake, not the original. Uh, She was in a movie called Aftermath. Um, She, a lot of these kids actually, like the kids in this uh, movie, we're in a lot of like, you know, CW programs, WB programs and whatnot, and like teeny flicks and stuff like that. She was one of them as well. Um, Interesting thing that I did like about her though, was she was quoted as saying uh, at the time when she did Freddy vs. Jason, she had only seen two horror movies in her life. And one of them was A Nightmare on Elm Street. And... She said, you know, the movie scared her so much she couldn't sleep for like two or three months. <laughs> um, and she she always said she would never do a horror film. And when this came about, she actually took on the role because she kind of wanted to face her fears. Um, she said it was very cathartic to work with Freddy and realize he's not real. Um, and not to mention that she pointed out that Robert Englund was a really sweet guy under all the makeup, which... I personally have met Robert Englund, and I have to agree with that. The dude is super awesome. Uh, he's really down to earth, very easy to talk to, especially like the, he was one of the first celebrities I ever met. And I was completely freaked out. Like I didn't know how to act, which is really fucking stupid when you think about it. But I didn't know how to like what to say to him. I was like, what the fuck? Like, when I met him, to me, he was just, like, so much larger than life and totally was chill, you know. It was almost like he knew how to deal with that and he just, like, started talking and he was drawing in my book that I wanted him to sign and stuff. Like, just really down-to-earth, cool guy. So when I was reading her quote about that, I was like, I can I can attest to that. Like, it is true. He is a super awesome dude. Moving on to the character of Will Rollins, uh, who's, like, our our, you know, our main attractive boy i guess you would say uh he was played by jason ritter who was also in films like swim swim fan uh swim fan (laughs) and he was in the wicker man from 2006 you know that really bad movie with Nicolas cage 
I love Nicolas Cage, don't get me wrong, but the man does make bad movies. I'm not going to say he doesn't. Jason Ritter also recently was a voice in Frozen 2, which I guess is, you know, Frozen 2 is like kind of like the talk of the town right now because it was put on Disney Plus like three months early because of said shit in the world. <laughs> um, moving on to Kia Watterson, who was played by Kelly Rowland. Uh, you would know her from, well, if, you might know her from uh, the band Destiny's Child. If if you can, A, call them a band, and B, um, if you listen to that kind of music, or were just familiar with, you know, top 200 Billboard chart albums shit from the 90s, um, which I, I really shouldn't put down the Billboard charts, because a lot of bands that I liked in the 90s did make the Billboard 200. Just sadly, Destiny's Child was one of them that was up there too. Fuck. (laughs) Okay. Cleanse my soul of that. Um, Moving on to Chris Marquette as Charlie Linderman. He was like our nerd, so to speak. That was one thing about this movie. Uh, Talk about like hitting every stereotypical teenager you could have in a movie. Yeah, we had to have the nerd as well. Um, he was also in movies like Fanboys. Uh, he was in the TV series Barry, which I have not watched yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about. So maybe one day I actually get to it. He was also in the movie The Girl Next Door. Uh, again, kind of like that whole like WBCW kind of actor. He did a lot of like teen flicks and whatnot. So. Um, and same with our next actor, uh, Lachlan Monroe, as Deputy Scott Stubbs. Uh, however, he did do a uh, uh, bit of horror, and I thought this was kind of cool. He was in the movie, uh, the movie Needful Things, Stephen King flick, um, uh, Dead Man on ca- on Campus, which I think is more comedy than anything else. But whatever, uh, he was in Scary Movie again, another comedy. But he was also in Dracula 2000. Not going to say I hated Dracula 2000. It had some redeeming factors, but not one of my favorites. Uh, It was also on the show Riverdale. Riverdale, which is kind of like a, again, CW-ish, but kind of like Twin Peaks, but with Archie characters. I I watched, I want to say I watched the first three seasons, I think it was. I just kind of, yeah. I don't know. I was a, for a while there. I was watching a lot of TV, and nowadays I'm just not. <laughs> I'm more back to the movies and stuff like that. But um, he was also in an episode of Arrow. Being an Arrow fan, I had to mention that he was in the Birds of Prey episode, which I believe was season two. Uh, I think that episode was from season two. Uh, moving on to uh, my wife that doesn't know she's my wife yet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but Catherine Isabel. She is in this. I've and I've talked about Catherine several times on this show. Uh, she plays Gib Smith. Um, now, where do we know Catherine from? Obviously, Ginger Snaps. She was in all three of them. Thirteen Eerie, which I've talked about on this show. Uh, Eighty Eight, See No Evil Two, American Mary, Snow Day, Insomnia, uh, the Netflix series The Order, uh, the movie Bones with Snoop Dogg. Uh, she's done a lot of shit. Um, Brendan Fletcher, again, another guy from Arrow. 
Um, but Brendan Fletcher uh, as Mark Davis, and he was also in Ginger Snaps 2 and 3. He was in Blood Rain 2, 13 Eerie. He had appearances on iZombie and Arrow, as I mentioned. I believe Arrow, he was... I want to say it was season 7, which I could be wrong. But I believe it was the 7th season he was part of Arrow. Uh, Moving on to Bobby Davis. Uh, He is Mark's older brother. He's the one that is in the bathtub with the slit wrists. Uh, So morbid. But anyways, uh, played by Zach Ward. Zach Ward was in Resident Evil Apocalypse and Transformers. Uh, thought that was kind of interesting. I watched Resident Evil last night, and here he was in Resident Evil Apocalypse, the second one. So I was like, oh, hey, if only I had gone one movie further. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle Labine plays Bill Freeberg. I have issues with Freeberg, but he is kind of like the... Uh, the comic relief in this film but they all are really but anyways uh he was also in halloween resurrection uh goosebumps the tv series uh goosebumps not the movies um scary stories to tell in the dark is part of that uh one thing about kyle being that he was in this movie and he was in halloween resurrection he is one of two actors in this that was in movies with Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees. Uh, the other one was the one who played Blake's dad, which I don't think I wrote him down. I, I tried to limit my acting, uh, like my starring cast. I don't, if I went based on IMDb, like we'd be here for 20 minutes while I'm just talking about everybody. So look at that. Uh, Chris Gauthier as Shaq. Shaq is. Uh, the stoner that's like, uh, oh fuck, what's his quote too? Oh fuck, why don't it's something about why don't you go fuck a pig? You know that guy. Um, the one, oh, what did he fucking? He called Jason something funny too. Oh shit, I should write down more notes. Anyways, he's that guy. You guys know who I'm talking about. He was also in the movie Watchmen, the uh, Zack Snyder movie. Uh, and he played Winslow Shot as the uh, or the Toy Man um, in Smallville. Again, WB CW kind of actor. Uh, like I said, most of the, most of these guys were in like CW shows and stuff like that. Uh, David Cop as Blake. Blake is the one whose father is on the porch. He's yelling at him. What were you doing out? Look, Dad, my best friend was just killed. Why don't you give me some fucking space? Like, wow, like. And, like, his father doesn't, like, you know, wind up and slug him in the head, which if I was his father, I would have. But anyways. Anyways, uh, David Cop was also in the movie Romeo Must Die. And then his best friend, uh, Trey, who's a complete cocksucker. But anyways, played very well, I might add, by Jesse Hutch. Um, and he's just basically, he's the asshole boyfriend. Um none of his acting credits really stood out to me. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. As a matter of fact, he's pretty good because he is a great asshole in this. You really, uh, you look forward to his death. Um, Finally, uh, Paula Shaw. Paula Shaw plays Pamela Voorhees. She was in Savage Streets with Linda Blair, also in movies Insomnia and Reindeer Games. I will say, because this comes up a lot, Betsy Palmer, who played Jason's mother in the original Friday the 13th. Uh, She was asked, actually, to be part of this film. She was asked 
to reprise her role as Miss Voorhees. She turned it down because she felt the role was too small for her. Um, that bothers me. It's like, fuck you. Like, just be a part of the movie. But whatever. I mean, she had her reasons, and we still love her. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Betsy Palmer. I, she, she's amazing in Friday the 13th, especially the first one. You know, like, she's... She's a big part of why that movie was so amazing. But I really wish she would have actually done this movie. Um, she didn't, though. And that's that. Paula Shaw didn't do bad, though. I, I will say. she she's, she's solid for this. The movie was rated R for pervasive, strong horror, violence, and gore. Gruesome imagery, sexuality, drug use, and language. <laughs> and yeah it, I love the it's not just you know for horror and violence and gore it's like pervasive strong horror like really and I literally copied that down word for word from my source like which was IMDB but yeah <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny I was like wow like let's uh let's really hammer that point home eh um the runtime for the film is 97 minutes long. The budget was $30 million, and the box office gross was $116.6 million. So, not a bad day at the bad day at the shop, if you ask me. Um, the synopsis, as I'm calling this, uh, for this film is, and I got this from the back of the VHS, which I do own this on VHS and DVD. Back of the VHS said basically this. Freddy Krueger is in hell, literally. And like an inmate with a life sentence, Freddy's plotting a fantastic revenge. All he needs is a little help. In comes Jason Voorhees, the equally iconic madman and perfect means for Freddy to once again instill fear on Elm Street. As the bodies begin to pile up, it becomes clear that Jason isn't willing to step aside. Now with a terrified town in the middle, the, the two icons of terror enter into a horrifying and gruesome showdown. Winner kills all. That's basically it. Yeah. Okay, so my notes. Notes from the Slasher Battle Royale. That's what I call this. Because as I point out, and you'll hear me say this maybe one or two more times... It, there's only one reason you really tune into this movie. Um, and it ain't for the kids. <laughs> you know why you're watching this movie. Um, I will say this, though. So a, a question that comes up a lot is why was Kane Hodder not asked to be in this film? Um, because he wasn't. He he was... Uh, the, the producers and and the casting director and whatnot never went to him about it. And some people were pissed about this. I did read, like, there's there's fan comments and reviews and whatnot online where people were kind of pissed about that. But it made sense. You know, when I actually do read, and when I was, well, I knew this a while back, but I, you know, I wanted to get exact wording and whatnot. So when I was researching it, it you know, thinking to myself, it does make a lot of sense because, and I've met Kane Hodder. He's an awesome dude. Don't get me wrong. Dude was super chill. But... He's not that tall. He might be like my height, and I'm well. I don't even know if he's my height. I'm five ten, and I he's like five eight or five nine, I think maybe. 
Anyways, the idea they wanted to create when they did this movie was like a whole David and Goliath kind of visual image to this. I think he and Robert Englund are about the same height. Um, Robert might even be a little bit taller. So they wanted Jason to be like bulky and they wanted him to be like massive and towering over Freddy. So they couldn't have Kane play the role. I mean, yeah, sure. They could have pulled a Peter Jackson and, you know, made Robert look like a, a hobbit next to, you know, Gandalf. But no, honestly, it wouldn't have worked. So, and again, as I mentioned earlier, even though Ken uh, Kensinger was, or Kersinger, sorry, was uh, a stuntman, the character of Jason doesn't speak. You really don't have to worry about that. And you just have to have like a bulking figure go around killing people. So it was... It makes sense. I know that back when when the film came out, there was a lot of talk about Kane Hodder should have been Jason and blah, blah, blah and whatnot. But I do get why it never happened. And it does make sense. Am I happy about it? Well, Kane Hodder is technically one of my favorite Jasons. Like, as much as Takes Manhattan is, you know, considered a very bad movie and a lot of people try to forget it exists. <laughs> He's actually one of my favorite Jasons. Like, I just, I love that look and I love the way he portrayed the character in that movie. It's probably why that movie stands out for me, even though, yeah, I, it's Jason Takes Vancouver. <laughs> you know, I'm not stupid. I, I'm well aware of all, I've talked about it on this show. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm aware of the fact that, what, 10 minutes of it actually was filmed in New York and the whole rest of the movie is either on a boat or in Vancouver. I get it. Um, but yeah, back to this though, uh, the whole Jason, uh, Freddy versus Jason thing, a sequel was planned. They were talking about it. It never materialized. Um, however, Wildstorm comics did, uh, publish a six issue series, uh, 2007 and 2008, I believe, and uh, Ash Williams from The Evil Dead was added to it. So, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Um, that did happen in the comics. Unfortunately, I never got my hands on it. I know I can read it digitally. I've always kind of wanted to read just the actual book. Uh, probably will read it digitally one day, but whatever. Um, talking about this movie, though. So, here's my thing. And the look for Freddy Krueger is very different. Um, and we're introduced to that, like, right at the beginning of the film when, you know, we see, like, the backstory to Freddy, which was actually done as an episode of Freddy's Nightmares as well. But this looked a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, and not to mention, they kind of did it, like, really quick. It's about two minutes of the movie where we see the history of Freddy Krueger and whatnot. And, um, and then we see Freddy's, like, his teeth and his eyes, his eyes are very bloodshot and his teeth are all fucked up. And the makeup is like um, very heavy on his face. As a matter of fact, Robert Englund himself even said like the makeup was so thick. He couldn't tell like when they're filming the scenes uh, with all the fire around them, he couldn't tell how hot it was. And the makeup actually like kind of bonded itself to his face. Um, and yeah, so it kind of like, it really stuck to his face and went out. There's a lot of makeup. Um, the look of Freddy Krueger in this is not my favorite look of him. Um, 
I think I and it's it's weird because a lot of people not everyone obviously there's a lot of people that do love Freddy's Revenge but there's also that contingency of the fan base that is like that movie just was does not fit in the series and whatnot um but that Freddy the the part 2 Freddy was always my favorite look um very creepy uh, part 1 as well um once once dream warriors and dream master and dream child came around you know freddy had more of a cartoonish look where in the first two films it was very creepy and, and you know made your skin crawl and whatnot this is this freddy is weird at times he looks almost like a, a just a burnt elf it, it's really weird um i don't hate the look it's just it's not my favorite look of freddy in this movie as for jason it looks okay i guess um as i already mentioned like you know i hold a flame for the whole manhattan jason i think he's my favorite one just because he was all slimy and creepy and stuff like that and if jason supposedly has been you know dead in you know the lake of camp crystal lake i mean to me it makes sense that his body was all like you know, slimy and shit. So I've always loved that look. Um, and then like parts, you know, part four and part six, Jason's, I've always loved those ones. Uh, I even like the part two, Jason, even though he's wearing the sack on his head and it's not the hockey mask and whatnot. But I mean, like, I don't know the Jason in this one. It's, he doesn't look bad. Um, his head shape is kind of weird, but whatever. I mean, it's not, I, I still like the look. Um, I just like the fact that Freddy and Jason are in the same movie, right? So it is what it is. Uh, just quickly, I'll mention this. So the script, the script went through, uh, what did I read? They went through like 17 different scripts before they finally found one they liked for this movie. Um, two of the twists that came out from it came out after this movie was released and you know people were talking about the movie and whatnot where they were trying to figure out ways to connect freddie and jason how would they have the two of them in the same film and so there was one that it was supposedly like freddie had either raped or like had sex with jason's mother and was jason's father that would have been fucked up for me honestly i would have been like that's just fucking weird um and the other one was that Freddie was once a counselor at Camp Crystal Lake and that either he had molested Jason or, you know, had beaten him up or something, giving Jason motivation to track him down now and kill him and stuff like that. Gladly, uh, the producers felt that both both themes, both twists were, like, too dark for the film. Uh, thank God, because... Uh, especially the idea uh, and I, I've mentioned this before on the show yes the the idea of Freddy being a child molester was actually a part of the original script for Nightmare on Elm Street it got dropped because of a case that was going on at the time and whatnot but I, that would have been too much I think especially in 2003 at a at a point when you know the whole idea of sexual molestation was definitely something that was very looked down upon and it really would have ruined the character of Freddy. Um, I think because when you watch this film, you want both 
villains to be your heroes of the film, right? They're the reason that this movie has to sell is is Freddy and Jason. That's what we're going to see. To make Freddy that much of a villain would have really, I think, taken away from the film. And it wouldn't have been fair to the Elm Street fans that were going to see this film. Because when this movie came out, that was what made it partly fun was the fact that you had Elm Street fans and you had Friday the 13th fans. To make Freddy that much of a villain would have been unfair to that fan base, in my opinion. So I'm glad they dropped that. Moving on to the kids in this film. Okay, they're not very likable. I don't care about these assholes. I really don't. And it was kind of interesting when when I was reading about this that, you know, following the movie's release, uh, both Monica Kina and Catherine Isabel, they've been somewhat vocal about this film. Um, like Monica herself said that like she thought this movie was terrible. She thought the screenplay was terrible. She just wanted to work with Robert Englund. And that <laughs> I loved her honesty. She signed on to this film for the money. She signed on to it to raise her acting profile. She knew being attached to a movie with Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees, it will it'll attract people's attention um and i mean catherine isabel for those who don't know she had problems with ronnie u because when they when she was cast on to the film she had a no nudity clause in her contract she said i am not doing a nude scene uh especially it's smart thinking because it's a slasher flick and we get our tits and ass in this movie um and she wanted to make sure she was not going to be put through that. And he still tried anyways. Cocksucker. Um, but I remember too, like when the movie came out and I was like, I remember when I found that out, I was like, damn. But I mean, I get it, right? And she has every right to have that put into her contract. And Ronnie Yu was basically trying to, you know, coerce her to do differently and... So between her and Monica Kina, both of them were like, "Ah, we could do without this movie." Um, and I, I almost wonder if that's kind of why the acting of the kids is, you know. And I don't know if I'd say it's bad acting, but I don't care for their characters, and that's the thing. And with that said, also Kelly Rowland. Okay, she's completely cringeworthy in this movie. Her character stinks. Like, I fucking hate her character. It's not her I specifically hate, but her character is not likable. She's shitty. She's a control freak. I mean, she's insisting she's going to set Lori up with a guy because it's her business to set her friend up with someone. And it's her business to insult the nerd and constantly make him feel like a piece of shit. Like, bullying 101 here and... Her character, like, I don't know how she could have signed up for this wanting to play that character. Like, it doesn't it doesn't glorify her in any way possible, like, a- any shape or form or anything. It's just, she's just cringeworthy. And even at that, like, by the time she gets killed, like, her death feels wasted to me. The death of the kids, like each of the deaths that happen, some of them are pretty creative. I'll give the movie that much credit, especially the bed scene with, you know, the boyfriend Trey there, who again, um, 
I could say the actor, you know, played it very well or what the character was written really shitty. You hate the kid. By the time he dies and he meets the Reaper, it's like, okay, great. Like, I'm fucking glad you got your fucking body stabbed to death and then, you know, bent backwards when, like, you know, Jason basically folds the bed up, like, folding bed. Like, that seems, it'll never top the sleeping bag kill, but it's fun nonetheless. Um, and I mean, okay, even Catherine Isabel herself, like her character of Gib is not fun to watch. She's annoying. She's too easily dominated by her boyfriend. She just takes shit. Like even like from the minute we meet the boyfriend and he walks in and he kisses her and he goes, Oh, bitch, you know, I told you not to kiss me when you've been smoking. Well, you walked in on her, you asshole, like, and you insist that she has to do everything you say. And it's the characters, the kids are not likable. But then again, what's the reason you go to see a Freddy versus Jason film? It's not for the kids. The human element, it's kind of like a Godzilla movie. You're not going to watch the humans. You're going to watch the icons battle. You know what I mean? Um, I like that when they put this script together some of the things that i do like about this film because i shouldn't just talk about the things that i don't like there's a lot of throwbacks to the original films for example laurie lives in the house of 1428 elm street uh there's the weston hills uh mental asylum uh hypnosil is mentioned jason's mom is in this uh camp crystal lake like i like that we're getting the best of both worlds um Decent score. And Graham Ravel scores. It's decent. It's not It's not noteworthy. I wouldn't say it's one of his more better f- better scores, but it's not bad. It, it, it does what it's supposed to do. The soundtrack that came out for this movie, though, is kick-ass. You know, with... Uh, fuck, you had Typo Negative. You had Mushroom Head, Slipknot, um, Il Nino... Uh, fuck there's a whole bunch of bands on that soundtrack and it's a kick-ass soundtrack i have it and i do i think i love the soundtrack a little bit more than i do the movie but um and okay so i mentioned earlier in this episode something about how what we're going through in today's world how it there's tie-ins through this movie it was interesting that there were trigger words that were popping up through all of this film because you have this interesting look at how Freddy Krueger is considered a plague. Um, The kids in Weston Hills mental asylum were quarantined, uh, isolated. Um, Freddy's reign of terror, like the fact that if it was brought back to Springwood would be considered an outbreak. Uh, It was very, it, it, Something that was very different this time around watching the movie where I'm like, God damn, like try to escape reality and you're fucking bringing it back to me through this movie. (laughs) It was kind of weird, but just something that I probably would not have commented on, say, had I done this episode two months ago. But now with the state of the world we're in, it's like, wow, all this like just like hit home. Um I don't know if it made the movie a little bit more powerful or if I was like, fuck you, movie. (laughs) But, um, uh, and I swear to God, I'm almost done my notes here. Uh, The hookah smoking 
Freddy Pillar or Caterpillar, as you want to call it. I love that scene uh, when Freeberg, which, yes, okay, so I mentioned that Freeberg I have issues with. Uh, he's the J without the silent Bob. Um, that kind of bothers me because I almost feel like this movie was like ripping off Kevin Smith. Which you say, well, Kevin Smith ripped off many people as well and has, you know, based his most of his career on comic book characters and whatnot. Yeah, okay, whatever. But I don't know. I was like, couldn't you be a little bit more original? But Jethro, that was the name. Okay, when I was talking about earlier, when I was talking about um, the kid in the field who calls Jason a funny name, it was Jethro. I just remembered that now. Um, anyways, uh, when Freeberg, though, however, when he goes into that one room in the hospital, uh, in the hospital or wherever it is, where, where they're ever they're going to get the hypnocell. And there's that scene where there's all the hypnocell, um, like overdoses laying on the beds and they sit up and they're all pointing at them and stuff. That's really a creepy scene. I do really enjoy that part of the scene in the movie. Um, but I mean, overall, like the, the highlight of this film is the Freddy versus Jason battle, the over top, over the top battle with Freddy and Jason makes the movie worth it. Um, and I'm glad that it's like, it's a good half hour of the movie. It's, it's, it's the, it's the third act. It's what sells this movie. It's what makes this movie work. My only problem with the final battle is why the fuck Lori and Will are even there. Um, I understand movies got a movie and we need our human element and whatnot. But again, kind of like with, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I don't care about the fucking humans. You don't need them in the middle of this. I want to see my icons battle. I want to see my titans battle. I want to see that. That's what I came to see. This movie does that very well. Uh, it's humorous, it's action packed, which is kind of interesting because when you go on IMDb, Freddy versus Jason is not listed as a horror movie first. It's actually listed as an action movie, then horror, uh, which kind of makes sense. I mean, there's definitely some gore. There's a lot of blood. Uh, that last half hour is these two icons just tearing each other apart. Literally, uh, Freddy's arms get ripped off a couple times. Um, but it's awesome. Uh, but as for Lori and Will being there, it's a waste of the human element, if you ask me, uh, to the big battle. Uh, receptions of the film, IMDb has this at a 5.7 out of 10, with 6 being the highest common rating. I have to say it makes sense, um, especially IMDb because it's fans rating it, right? Um, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 41% approval rating. Uh, with basically, when you go on Rotten Tomatoes, it'll say fans of the two horror franchises will enjoy this showdown. But for everyone else, it's just the same old slice and dice. And yeah, I, I, I when I get to my rating, I'll explain that. Yes, it, there's really nothing new brought to the genre through this film. Uh, Metacritic has it at a 37 out of 100, and the cinema score for this film is a B+. The Podcast Zero Rating. This is basically what I wrote. We were promised Freddy vs. Jason, and that's basically what we get. Uh, the look of the two icons has changed somewhat, but at the same time, this is nothing new for the course. Uh, their look has changed over time from film to film, so there is really no harm or foul, despite their aesthetic look not being my favorites. Um, and I pretty much, yes. 
no, these are not my favorite looks of the characters, but it's nothing that hasn't already happened. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, through seven movies, Freddy's look changed as each movie went on. Uh, Same with Friday the 13th. So, no, they don't look like they do in other movies, but then again, in those other movies, it, it changed as well. The music score does what it needs to, but at times it's basically forgettable. Uh, which doesn't happen too often, though, with a Graham Ravel score, which is very true, uh, especially when I think of movies like, you know, um, The Crow. The Crow has a very iconic music score to it and whatnot, and Graham Ravel is known for having iconic themes with the films he's done. It doesn't happen with this one. I'm not saying the score is bad. The score is it's solid for what it needs to do, but it's not memorable. Um, aside from when there's hints of the Elm Street score or the Friday the Thirteenth Friday the Thirteenth score, um, the kids in this movie are annoying as fuck, and even Catherine Isabel's character of Gib bothers me, despite my adoration of Miss Isabel's career. Which, yes, you guys know, I'm a huge fan of her. I love a lot of the movies she's done, but her character in this movie I can do without. Yes, she's attractive, but. I would have liked her to have a better role in this movie. Um, The story is basic, but helps us to get our icons in the same battle ring. Uh, The battle is what matters, and it delivers on both a visual and humor level. Critically, I'd say this movie is a 5, because aside from the fact that both maniacs are in the same film, and that they're battling one another, there isn't much else here we haven't seen before. Yes, this, uh, to a quote-unquote commoner or a general population audience viewer, you're not going to see anything new here. This does not bring anything new aside from the fact that two icons are on the same screen at the same time. Um, But fans, and as a fan, my rating for this, because I love both Freddy and Jason, I love both icons, it's a 7. I give it a 7, which... If you think about it, by the law of averages, uh, brings this movie to a six. And I did say IMDb, the common score is a six. I pretty much agree with that. I give this movie six dead Elm Street kids out of ten. Or six dead Crystal Lake counselors out of ten. Whichever slasher you want to go with. The thing is, is uh, on average, it's it's a six. And I really can't say much more than that. Yes, it's... Being a fan of those icons, and I grew up with them in the 80s and the 90s and whatnot. So by the time this movie came out, like I was amped for this. Uh, was it everything I wanted it to be? Not really, but it was. it's still fun. I mean, when I was watching it last night, you know, while I was taking down notes and whatnot, it wasn't the, like I say, the kids are annoying. So there's that cringeworthy element. It, it, the lead up to the final battle is kind of annoying to get through. Once you get to the final battle, the movie's fun as fuck. So it's a six. And on that note, thank you for listening. And yeah, thank you for tuning in this week. I know it, this episode was one I was, I was really... I don't want to say dreading. Dreading would be the wrong word for it. It was just, it was something that I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, fuck. Because it's, it, you got to figure two weeks ago, I was just making fun about the whole washing your hands thing. 
and it was like two weeks later the world has changed a lot and it was like wow I don't know especially like when when you're talking about horror films and you're talking about the macabre and violence and gratuitous nudity and vulgar language and you know bodies being ripped apart and all this kind of shit and it's like you know the real world is scary right now uh, for a lot of people and how do you talk about this shit and make it fun and I was like eh, I can't stop I gotta keep doing what I do we gotta keep some form of normalcy in the world so from the bottom of my heart I honestly mean it when I say thank you for listening thank you for being there thank you for supporting the show and whatnot. Uh, which in terms of, uh, of supporting the show, if, if you want to let people know where to find the show, they can find it at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, CastBox, FM Player, or the Next Level Network, thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcastzero. Uh, also at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. If someone wants to email me and just, you know, shoot the shit or tell me my show sucks, tell me my show rules, whatever, I don't know, tell me whatever you want. Um, you can do it through email, what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com, or go to the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, what slash what lurks behind podcast zero. On Instagram, yeah, a lot of people know that, <laughs> follow my personal Instagram, uh, snowblood underscore in underscore arkham Uh, i'm on that one a lot but the the what lurks behind podcast zero instagram yeah sometimes i'm on there uh i do tend to be on my personal one a lot more and i don't i have no problems with people adding me on there i I love sharing a lot of shit on that one so go nuts if you want but if you just want to follow the podcast instagram uh at what lurks behind podcast zero very easy to find on twitter at wlb podcast underscore zero and there's a red bubble store which like i tell everyone go on the facebook page and click on shop now it'll take you right to the store okay so lurkers recommendation and closing track um as for the movie for the next episode i'm going to be doing something new on the facebook page i will now be posting two movies and letting fans pick them uh, so uh you will find probably around wednesday thursday of every week i will post two movies and you guys vote on it and whatever you guys vote for that's going to be the next episode I want to kind of allow fans to have a say in what I'm talking about because especially going into this week it was I really was like what do I review like you know and what can I do that's fun and different and allow people to you know have a laugh at or whatever and so I've decided I'm going to let the fans start speaking a bit on this show. So going forward from now on, I'll be posting two movies and you guys are going to pick. So I think that would be kind of cool to incorporate, you know, a fan element into the show. Uh, Lurker's recommendation. I'm halfway through it myself right now. I haven't completed it yet, but the Deadlands on Shudder is pretty fucking cool. Um, I, I kind of recommend it. I'm enjoying it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite TV show in the whole world, but it is definitely a lot of fun. There's some cool violence and whatnot. You know, it's fantastical enough that, you know, it can take you out of the real world for a while. So I recommend that. I'm also going to recommend something that's a little bit more down to earth and, you know, real world-ish right now is stay home if you can. Don't go out. Um, It's not worth it. 
It really isn't. I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, blah, blah, blah of how this virus can spread. You guys are seeing it and being inundated with it, like, constantly through social media and the news and whatnot. But stay home. Hug your kids. You know, hug your pets. Whatever, you know. My pets are my kids, so I hug them a lot. Uh, enjoy time with loved ones. And forget about the outside world, man. It's It really is not worth it. Be kind to people who do have to work in this shit, though, you know. Uh, your frontline workers, you know, your your hospital workers, your police, your firefighters, uh, retail workers, you know. And I'm talking about, like, those who are selling groceries, trying to stock shelves. Being one myself, I can tell you right now, we are exhausted. It, it's, it's rough times keeping up with it right now. And so, you know... And, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of us, it's not that we don't want to be working, but we really don't want to be out there, you know? I mean, we're, we feel just as much at risk as everyone else does, so no shitting on people, man. Like, like we really need to, like, start chilling a little and being more people-oriented. This is coming from an introvert who's afraid of people, but you get what I'm saying, you know? Don't be shitty with people, like, just be... Be good to people. And on that note, we're going to close out now. Uh, it's kind of interesting, the the track I picked, because it is from this movie. It's from the soundtrack. Uh, the song by Il Nino, How Can I Live? Which is kind of freaky when you think about the times we're in right now, and I'm playing a song called How Can I Live? So <laughs> that is how we're going to end this show out. Um, again, next episode you guys are going to pick i'm going to post two movies on the facebook page i'll probably do it through instagram as well it, it, see how that works um and you guys will pick and you know we'll we'll see based on votes what the next movie is so it's gonna be kind of cool i i think it's gonna be kind of fun to incorporate you guys into the show so anyways that's it i'm done i've talked quite a bit and it's time to move on out um uh, as for when the next episode drops, I think I'm going to go back to weekly. Uh, the the bi-weekly thing is sometimes... I, I like the break, but at the same time, it was like last week... Well, last week, I would have been a lot more cynical and sarcastic, but I don't know. I think I'm going to go back to weekly. So most likely, the next episode will be next week, um, provided, you know, nothing big happens that deters that so that's that show's over i'm done take it easy everyone and be safe out there ciao for now